let's invite God's uh, blessing on our time in his word together on today. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and you're our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Uh, today I want to begin a new series of messages, and I want to deal with that he has the whole world in his hands. That's what the series of messages for the next few weeks will be on Wednesdays, uh, that the Lord, he has the whole world in his hands. That's a song they used to uh, teach us when I was a youngster growing up in church in Sunday school at the church to help us to understand that God is in control. They didn't come into our classroom with five-year-olds and talk about his omnipotence and his omniscience and his omnipresence. No, they came in and taught us a song about God's love and his wisdom and his power. And they would teach us, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little bitty babies in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands to teach us about the love, the wisdom, the power, and the control of God. And so I want to, as a revelation to some who don't know the Lord, and as a reminder to others in this tragic situation we're in, to remind us that the Lord has the whole world in his hands. In his hands? You know, Jesus said that God is a spirit. And we, we don't quite understand what that, it's hard to get a, a, a grasp on that. God is a spirit. His ways are not our ways. His, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Higher than ours as the heavens are above the earth. How do we understand God as spirit? And so what the writers of scripture do, they do something that is anthropomorphic in their expression of God. They give God human features. The, the eyes of God are watching you. God inclined his ear to me, the heart of God. And God stretched forth his arm unto us, and the mouth of God. And so they give these human features unto God, anthropomorphic expressions, to help you and I grasp God a little better. And they talk about his eyes and his ears and his arm and his mouth. And I don't want to look at those today. I want to look at the hands of God. And with the hands of God, he's got the whole world in his hand. And I want to look at that against the backdrop of Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 20, listen to what God's word says. Verse 20, Exodus 3. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in his midst, and after that, he will let you go. God says, I'm going to stretch forth my hand. And with my hand, I'm going to perform all of these wonders. The wondrous hand of God. That's it right there. He's got the whole world at his hand, and these are some wondrous hands of God. It was 12-year-old Hal Donaldson, and Hal at 12 years old had uh, three younger siblings. His father was a pastor of his church, and his uh, mom and his dad, they were on their way to a church meeting, leaving uh, 12-year-old Hal and his younger siblings at home. And on the way to the church meeting, his parents were in a car accident, and a drunken driver ran head-on into them. His father died on the scene, and 
12-year-old Hal's mom spent months in the hospital trying to be restored and recover from this accident. And they went into deep poverty in that experience. And Hal talks about how church members would come over to their house and bring food to them as a relief during this season of economic downturn and the tragedy that they were in. And Hal said at 12, he was trying to understand God and figure this thing out. How could God let something like this happen to us? And he said that his father's friends, who were preachers and ministers, would say to him that the hand of the Lord is in this situation. Can you imagine that? That kind of trauma, father dying because of a drunken driver, mom in the hospital, church members having to bring over food to deal with the deep poverty they had entered into, and then to hear a preacher say, in that trauma, the hand of the Lord is in this situation. And some of you do know what that's like in your own trauma, in your own crisis, in your own calamity, in your own confusion, in your own job loss, in your own economic downturn, in your own poverty. And here, God has instructed me to tell you that the hand of the Lord is in this situation. The hand of the Lord, yeah, the maneuvering of God, the manipulating of situations of God, that the hand of the Lord is at this. And in Exodus chapter 3, uh, this is when the children of Israel had been in bondage for 430 years. Hebrew people were in bondage for 430 years to the Egyptians, 430 years of oppression and slavery and bondage. And then God tells Moses to go and tell Pharaoh and the elders of the Hebrews and the Hebrew people that they're going to be free. Tell Pharaoh, the head of state of Egypt, I said, let my people go. And God says that I'm going to make it happen, Exodus 3 and 20, with my wondrous hand. But that's not the only hand that's mentioned. There's actually three sets of hands mentioned in Exodus 3. In Exodus 3 and 19, it talks about the mighty hand of Pharaoh. In Exodus 3 and 21, it talks about the empty hand of the Hebrew people. But in verse 20, it talks about the wondrous hand of God. And so many of us have focused in on the mighty hand of a head of state that is evil and oppressive. And many of us have focused in on the empty hand of ourselves and our community. But what we fail to see in the middle of this mighty hand of a head of state that is oppressive and evil, and in the empty hand of the Hebrew people, there is the wondrous hand of God. And God says, and with that wondrous hand, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to bring liberation. I'm going to bring emancipation. You've been in bondage all of these years, but don't worry. Moses said, God is getting ready to set you free. You know how hard that is to hear? For people that have been oppressed for 430 years, they're in bondage to the same thing their parents were in bondage to, and their grandparents, and their great-grandparents, and their ancestors were in bondage to this same oppression. And now here comes this preacher <laughs> talking about the hand of God is getting ready to bring you freedom. It's hard to grasp that and understand that. Uh, even now, we look at racism and social injustice. We look at poverty. We look at the oppression that comes in this nation for people who are black and brown. And now here I come, a man of God, telling you, God says, no, God's getting ready to set you free. And so many people are thinking, it'll never happen. 
This is the same oppression our grandparents had and grandparents and great-grandparents and ancestors in this nation, someone suggested, whose original sin is racism. And now here comes this preacher saying that the wondrous hand of God is going to set you free. I know it's hard to get because here's what's going on. Uh, Moses got the message from God, but the people had to get the message from the people. From the man of God. It's one thing getting a message directly from God. It's a whole other thing trying to get the message from the man of God or the woman of God. That's Because here's what people think. Well, if God is really saying this, then why won't God tell me himself? And God is telling you himself. It's just that he told the man of God to tell the people of God. And the people of God got to receive it from the man of God who received it from God. I know that's not easy to do because... Uh, Moses, uh, he got it from the immortal, but the people had to get it from the mortal. Molded, Moses, he got it from the infinite, but the people had to get it from the finite. Moses, he got it from someone with no beginning, but the people had to get it from somebody with a messed up past. Are you willing with the power of God's Holy Spirit that came into your life when you accepted Jesus by faith, to be open from the message of God that comes from the men of God and the women of God. As a matter of fact, your spirit ought to bear witness with my spirit that this is of God. And the message is that God is going to use his wondrous hands to set you free. But you got to hear it from the man of God, the woman of God that is speaking it. I was on a Zoom meeting. And there was, I guess it was about 75 uh, Christian leaders on the Zoom meeting, and five of us were on the panel to speak. And the host of the Zoom meeting uh, had everybody on mute, and the only way you could speak is if the host would unmute you, then you have to unmute yourself, and then you're able to speak. So the host muted everybody, didn't want all that background noise and didn't want all those distractions and, and folk talking, thinking nobody can hear them. So they, they, so they muted everybody. But if you want to talk, the host has to unmute you. Then you got to unmute yourself. And, and Pastor uh, Janae uh, Murdoch was on. And, and Pastor Janae Murdoch, she's a spirit-filled woman, very insightful, creative, intelligent, finishing up her Ph.D., uh, got a great word from the Lord. It was her turn to speak. And so uh, she was trying to unmute herself, but she couldn't speak until the host unmuted her. And after the host, uh, and it didn't matter how much education she had and training and creativity and insight and ability and gift and skill, the host had to unmute her. And as the host unmuted her, then she unmuted herself. And then she began to give insight she had received from her experience with God. That's what God did with Moses. First, he muted Moses for 40 years on the back in, in Midian. And Moses, you still need to meet God at the burning bush. You still need to get commissioned by God and charged by God. But when God unmuted him, now I'm unmuting you. Now unmute yourself. And go tell Pharaoh and the elders of the Hebrew people and the Hebrew people that I'm bringing them out. That's my word to us. Y'all, God has spoken to us. God has unmuted believers. Jesus did that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, up until then, you didn't have my Holy Spirit. You don't need to do a whole lot of talking for the kingdom. He said, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses unto you, to me. I have unmuted you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now unmute yourself and let folk know, even in this situation, God loves you and nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Unmute yourself 
the spirit is already unmuted you will let people know that that all things work together for good God has already unmuted you in his spirit now unmute your self and let folk know whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and God is in control and he's got the whole world in his hand and there they were <laughs> the hand of God the wondrous hand of God bringing them emancipation and liberation. And, and that's, that's socially, uh, but not just socially, but personally. Whatever has you in bondage, drugs, alcohol, nicotine, whatever has you in bondage, uh, codependency, porn, sexual immorality, whatever has you in bondage, I serve a God that with his wondrous hands offers you freedom. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and, and receive him into your life, he sets you free. And who the Son has set free, I don't care what anybody says, you are free indeed. The wonder's hand of God. God says, I'm going to stretch forth my hand. And when I stretch forth my hand, my wonders are going to bring your freedom. The wonders of God yeah, he's talking about those plagues because the mighty hand of the head of state was so oppressive, he would not let those people go. And God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to send my wonders. Those were plagues. Remember the ten plagues? That uh, the, the water turned into blood, that contaminated water that nobody could drink or nobody could wash or, or, or nobody could cook with. Or, or the, the lice that came, or the boils, the sores, the pandemic that went through there, making everybody sick, uh, both on the Egyptian side and the Hebrew side. The wonders, of the plagues of God came through there. The frogs that came through, all the swarms of locusts that came through there. And then the darkness that was so dark, it says that you could feel the darkness, or the death angel. And when all of those things were happening, in Egypt, it didn't just hit the Egyptians. It affected the Hebrew people too. God says, I'm going to have my hand move, and my wonders are going to set the wonders of God, contaminated water, boils, sores, swarms of far frogs, swarms of lice, darkness, death. Man, the wonders of God sometimes make you wonder. <laughs> the wonders of God make you wonder, is God for us or against us. Well, I tell you this about the wonders of God, that if you are for God, the wonders of God are working for you. But if you're against God, the wonders of God work against you. And sometimes it's hard uh, to understand the wonders of God. He brings in all of this darkness and all of that death. And if you're not careful, you'll think the darkness and the death is the destruction of you. No, it's not the destruction of you. It's the deliverance of you if you're on the Lord's side. And on the Egyptian side, it was against them. But on the Hebrew people's side, they had to go through it. They had to deal with the pandemic. They had to deal with the mess. But that darkness and death, that was not God giving up on them. That was the sign deliverance is getting ready to come. And perhaps the darkness you're dealing with and perhaps the death that we hear about every day, uh, the wonders is not God destroying us, but God setting us up to deliver us. He says, I'm going 
to have my favor in you. The wondrous hands of God is going to bring favor to you. The plagues that are coming, that's favor on you that God is going, God says, I'm going to use those wonders to bring you out, to bring you through, and to bring you in, to bring you out of 430 years of bondage, to bring you through the Red Sea, to bring you through the wilderness, and to bring you into Canaan, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm so glad that the favor of God and that wondrous hand is working on my behalf to bring us out, bring us through, and bring us in. That favor of God that is going on. But sometimes the wonders of God make you wonder. Uh, but if you're for God, even when you don't see it, it's working for you. But if you're against God, I gotta admit, it's working against you. Can you imagine when all of that was happening if uh, in the time of Moses they had the mass communication that we have uh, in the 21st century? <laughs> Can you imagine what that would have been like in Egypt with mass communication, with social media and the internet during that time? Man, you, you would have had all kind of national reporters and international reporters converging on Egypt to report what was going on and the ins and outs of what was happening with those wonders of God, with those plagues coming through there. Uh, you would have had doctors showing up there and medical professionals dealing with the boils and the sores and that sickness, the pandemic uh, of going from one person to another in Egypt, both with Egyptians and Hebrew people. And they would have been there trying to explain how this is happening and how this is taking place. And then, of course... The meteorologists would have shown up with the hail falling. How could it hail in Egypt during this season for this long at this time? And they would have been trying to explain that. The economists would have shown up talking about the economic downturn in Egypt and what was happening to those who were already in bondage and already oppressed in that time. So many in that mass communication. Folk would have been on Twitter and Facebook. Folk would have been on Instagram. Here's what I believe. Here's what I feel. Here's what I think doing all of that that was going on. And people would have been talking about the ecosystem being damaged with swarms of locusts and swarms of lice and, and the hail coming and the contamination of the water. And all of that would have been going on with scientists showing up to explain how could water be contaminated. You know, scientists are oft times trying to give a scientific explanation of the move of the hand of God and his wonders and his plagues. And the atheists would have been there on mass communication saying, this is why I don't believe there's a God. There couldn't be a God. Look at all hell breaking loose here in Egypt and to his own people. And the agnostics would have been on Facebook saying, this is why I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a God or not. How can there be a God in the face of all of this? And uninformed preachers would have been streaming talking about God must be mad at his people. And God is so mad at his people. Look at the water turned to contaminated water and look at the lights and look at the darkness and look at all this death. God must be punishing his people, but that's not what was happening. It was the hand of God with favor that was moving, even in the darkness, even in the death, to bring deliverance. See, we can say that now because we're looking back on it. And as we look back on it, we'll see that God was moving, that God was making a way, but it's not always easy to see when you're in it. I believe even now, in a pandemic, in catastrophe, in darkness, in disease and death, 
that the favor of God is at work. It's hard to see it when you're in it, but I believe that because God said it. My hand is going to move the wonders and the favor that I'm going to bring in my people in order to bring this deliverance. It's just hard to, to deal with it. Uh, when you're coming through it, but it's the favor of God that's making this work. Uh, I was in Haiti back in 2010. I went there about 30 days after that earthquake came. And that earthquake that brought destruction to Haiti and hundreds of thousands of deaths and, and an even worse economic downturn. They were already one of the poorest nations in the world. Somebody suggested that when that earthquake hit, it was like an earthquake and poverty colliding with one another. And I was there to see the aftermath of what that looked like. And when I got there, buildings had been collapsed and still where they were, dead bodies were still under where buildings had crumbled and collapsed. And they were still trying to work to get the rubble out and to pull bodies out. I was there then. We had to wear masks then in Haiti to keep all the death and the stench from getting inside your body to contaminate you. And they had rubble lined up through the streets of Port-au-Prince and lined up through the roads leading outside of Prince, just rubble from buildings that had collapsed. And then you saw people with sludge hammers showing up. And with those sludge hammers, they were cracking and beating on those, that cement. And they were beating that cement and beating it and hitting it. And it looked to me like frustration. It looked to me like they were angry and mad at what had taken place and now taking it out on the cement and the rubble that was on the side of the road. But the driver of the van I was riding on said, no, that's not what's happening with those sludge hammers and the beating that's taking place. He said, no, they're not angry and frustrated. They're breaking up the cement to get the rebar out. The rebar, the, 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 the steel that is in there, the steel uh, bars that are inside of the cement that are recyclable that are valuable, that you can reuse to help rebuild and restore the communities that had fallen. But in order to get to that which was valuable and recyclable, you had to hammer it, you had to beat it, you had to crack it. And that's what's going on, to get that which is of value out to bring restoration in those communities. Uh, Yo, God is not forsaking you. The beating that we're taking, the issues that we're going through, you no, know, God is not angry. God is seeking to get something of value out of us, to bring restoration to communities that have been oppressed for far too long. But in order to do that, he's got to get something of value out of us. And so he breaks us to bring something useful and valuable out of us. God says, I'm going to have my hand move, and it's going to have some favor on it. But here's the thing about that. God said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you out. But, you know, sometimes what God does, God will postpone uh, his promise. In, he will postpone the performance of his promise. He made a promise in Exodus 3. I'm bringing you out. I'm going to deliver you. But then he postponed the deliverance of the promise until Exodus 12. They didn't get delivered until Exodus 12. Because God gave the revelation of the deliverance in Exodus 3. But the manifestation did not come until Exodus 12. Uh, God showed it to them in Exodus 3. Uh, but no, no, he told them in Exodus 3. He didn't show it to them until Exodus 12. What I'm trying to tell you is in the midst of the pandemic, God has a word for you and I. I'm bringing you out. I'm showing favor. I'm setting you free. That's the revelation right now. 
<laughs> but this must be Exodus 3 for us. But God will postpone the performance of it, of that promise, until Exodus 12. I'm so glad that the Hebrew people didn't give up in Exodus 3. They waited on their deliverance in Exodus 12. They waited till the, after the darkness and after the death that they were set free. I'm so glad they didn't give up in Exodus 4 and 5. They hung on in there and they waited until they already got the revelation. Now the manifestation. God already told them. Now in chapter 12, he shows it to them. And in your Exodus 3, God says, I've already prophesied it to you. I sent the men and the women of God to tell you I'm bringing you out. My providence is there. It's already been predetermined. It's already been prearranged. The steps of a good person, that's what the psalmist says, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. Ordered? No, it's pre-ordered by the Lord. He pre-ordered your freedom. He pre-ordered his favor in your life. But you got to wait to Exodus 12 when he brings you out. So if you don't, if you don't give up in, in chapter 4 of your life, if you don't throw in the towel in chapter 5, if you don't commit suicide in chapter 6, if you don't turn to, to abusing drugs in chapter 7, if you don't abuse alcohol in chapter 8, if you don't turn your back on God in chapter 9 of your life, if you don't jump off a bridge in chapter 10 of your life, if you don't turn and walk away from the church in chapter 11 of your life and wait on the move of God, God will perform what he promised you in your chapter 3. Y'all, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I tell you this, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his children, their children begging bread. And I know that when God makes you a promise, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm bringing you out. And he says, not only am I going to bring you out, but when I bring you out, with my favor for your freedom, I'm going to give you the finance that you need to get to where I'm taking you. I love that. God says that the mighty hand of this head of state is so oppressive, but don't sweat that. I know your hands are empty, but my hand of wonder is going to move. Bring your freedom and your favor, and God says, I'm going to finance it. <laughs> I'm gonna, here's what God told him. I'm going to bring you out with gold and silver and clothes and resources. I love that. Yo, when the Hebrew people came out of bondage, they came out with resources, with money, with gold and silver. And I know you're, you're trying to figure this thing out. How could that be? They've been in bondage for 430 years. They in the same poverty, their parents and grandparents and great. No, because when God says, I'm bringing you out, he said, you don't have to sweat any of that. I'm going to finance my purpose in your life. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Because somebody, you're wondering right now, as you come through this crisis, through this tragedy, that you, the trauma you're dealing with, and you, you know you got to make some moves in your life. Somebody's thinking, I, I, I gotta, I'm going to have to go get re-educated again. I need to go get a degree or I, I need to get certified. There's some things I need to, to sure up in my life. I just don't know how I'm going to pay for that. That I got to make a move for my family. My community was already jacked up. Now this is making it even worse. I got to get my family somewhere else. I need to make a move, but I don't know how I'm going to find it. How will I pay for that? Somebody's talking about starting a business. You have this idea that in this time, this is the perfect season to get it going. And you've done your homework and your best practices and you, you, you've got your business plan together. You, you networked and talked to people and tried to figure it out. But the finance part, how do you get that done? That's what God told me to tell you. 
The hand of God is going to move and maneuver. The hand of God is going to manipulate the situation that he's going to finance it in your life. And I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know, that God will make it happen. And God said, no, 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 here's what God told, told Moses. Tell the people, not only am I going to make it happen, I'm going to make your enemies pay for it. I, God says, I'm bringing you out of your bondage. I'm bringing you out of that oppression. I'm going to bring you out, take you through, and take you in. And I'm going to make your enemies finance my purpose in your life. I know God spoke it to me as a man of God, and I'm speaking it to you as the people of God. God unmuted me. I unmuted myself. But you got to be open to what he's telling you. He's going to make your enemies pay. Y'all, when the people, the children of Israel came out of bondage, they had been in slavery 430 years. They came out with gold and silver and resources and clothes. Where did they get them from? They got it from the people who had oppressed them. They got it from the Egyptians because God financed the move he was making in their life. He made their enemies to finance his purpose. I saw it happen even in my own life. A friend of mine moved to, from Florida to Indianapolis. That, that's an interesting move to me. Most folk move that I know of move from Indianapolis where it's cold to Florida where it's warm. He moved from warm Florida to cold Indianapolis a few years ago. And when he made that move, uh, my friend called me out of the blue. He said, Jeffrey Johnson, I didn't know you had haters in Indianapolis. I said, man, what are you talking about? He said, man, I didn't know you had haters in Indianapolis. I thought you, you born and raised here. I thought you were one of Indianapolis' favorite sons here. I didn't know you had haters here. I said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, man, I'm in a restaurant right now. And as I'm in this restaurant, I'm standing in line, and there is a man who's in line in front of me, and he's talking to a woman and anybody that would listen, and he's dogging you out. He's saying, Jeffrey Johnson ain't this, and Jeffrey Johnson ain't that, and Jeffrey Johnson ain't nobody, and I would never go to his church, and I'd never give a dime in that ministry. I'd never give anything towards the work he's talking about. And he's just dogging you out. And then my, my friend said, and I, I started to say something, because I didn't like the way he was dealing with that. You ain't even here to defend yourself. So I started to defend you. And he said, and I said, man, you don't have to worry about that. He said, no, man, that's cold. Man, making all that noise, and you ain't here to even say anything. He probably don't even know you, and all that hatred coming forth, talking about he, he'll never support your work and never give to your ministry, and you ain't about nothing. I, I wanted to say, I said, man, you don't have to say anything to him. And here's why you don't have to say anything to him, because that restaurant you're in, I'm very familiar with that restaurant. Because two of my members own that restaurant, a husband and wife. They own that restaurant. They're members of our congregation, and they're two of the most generous people in this ministry. They give a tithe and an offering, in it, and they're very financially successful. And they don't just give a tithe and an offering, but they also give to when we have our Thanksgiving basket of love, and we give away food and resources at Thanksgiving. They give towards that. And then during the Christmas season, when we give to the poor, as a way of giving birthday gifts to Jesus. They give to that too. They're very generous. And every now and then they break off something for me and my wife too. You don't have to say nothing to him. He'll never give towards the work I'm doing for God. He'll never give towards the ministry and the church God has called me to. You don't have to worry about that. Because the moment he pays for that food in that restaurant, my members are going to take those resources <laughs> and give it in this ministry and give it to support the work of God and, and pool it with other believers. So what God is going to do is he's going to take what my hater is giving 
and use that to finance his purpose in my life. That's my word to you. Don't you give up on God. Don't turn your back on God because God will take what other folk do against you and God will use it for you. I'm going to have my favor, my hand to finance my move in your life and I'm going to make your enemies pay for it. I just want you to understand. He's got the whole world. I know it looks bad. I know. The wonders of God will make you wonder. Pandemic, disease, sickness, unemployment, economic downturn. Man, you wonder if God is for us or against us. Well, it just all depends. If you're for God, no matter how bad it looks, God is for you. The hand of the Lord is moving. If you're against God, well, it's going to work against you because the hand of God is moving on behalf of his people. He's got the whole world in his hand. I opened this message talking about 12-year-old Hal. Well, Hal's not 12 years old anymore. I, I told you about his dad dying because of the drunken driver running into them, his mom spending months in the hospital, church members showing the love of God, bringing food over to him, and, and then he's struggling with his faith and trying to understand God. Well, he's not, Hal is not a 12-year-old child anymore. Hal is an adult, mature Christian man. And Hal Donaldson now is the founder uh, and CEO and president of Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is an international global relief program that goes all around the world to feed the hungry and bring relief in crisis in nations all over the world. And Hal is the founder, president, and CEO. Convoy of Hope was the first ones on the scene when the levees broke in New Orleans. Convoy of Hope was the first on the scene in Puerto Rico when the hurricane hit and our own government wouldn't even show up, but Convoy of Hope showed up there with food and resources for them. Convoy of Hope was the first on the scene in Asia when the tsunami hit. I believe that was 2009 when that tsunami hit and all, that, all those problems showed up with the tsunami. Convoy of Hope was there with food and relief for people who were hurting and hungry. Convoy of Hope was first on the scene in Haiti. That's how I got to Haiti. They were first on the scene there. And there they were feeding the hungry, bringing resources to those who were hurting, even in the most difficult times. And even now in the pandemic, Convoy of Hope is going to provide 10 million meals for hurting and hungry families and bring resources to those that are going through difficulty. And Hal Donaldson is the, the founder and president and CEO of that international relief program that is being offered. And how did all of this come to be? Because a drunken driver ran into his father and took his life. His mom had to spend months in the hospital. But he saw the love of God in that tragedy with church people, Christian people, bringing food to relieve them in that season of their life. And he heard the voice of the men and the women of God saying, the hand of the Lord is in this situation. And out of that, when Howell became an adult, out of that experience, uh, when he got himself together, he was trying to figure out, now, how do I do for the poor? And Howell decided, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to the grocery store. And he goes, he testifies, he goes to the grocery store, he buys a bunch of groceries, put them in the back of his pickup truck, and he just drives into L he's in L.A., and he drives to the, one of the poorest areas in L.A. and just starts giving groceries away 
to strangers who were hungry, and as he would give groceries to them, he would tell them, God loves you, and I do too. And out of that, it be, his work became international and global, where he's first responders when people are hurting the most and hungry, and even in a pandemic, will provide 10 million meals across this nation. <laughs> All because even when you're in it, you may not be able to see it. But the hand of the Lord is in this. Y'all, God's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hand. He's got the little bitty babies in his hand. And even when you don't understand it, even when you don't see it, his favor and his freedom and his finances show up to help us with his wondrous hand to address what we're dealing with. Yo, I believe the Lord will make a way somehow. When beneath the load I bow, he will take away these burdens. If you let him have your burdens now, sometimes the, the load gets heavy and the weight is shown upon my brow, but there's a sweet relief in knowing the Lord will make a way some. The Lord will make a way somehow because he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, you and me, sister, in his hand. 